Greetings, Highland Community Church. This is Keith Swenson, my wife Becky. We're coming to you from Victor Township, Minnesota. And you're probably saying, well, where's Victor Township, Minnesota? Well, we're in between Howard Lake and Cocado, but we're enjoying a beautiful day out on our porch. And we'd like to share some words of encouragement with you at this time. I've been reading in Daniel chapter nine, and the verse that's really catching me is the last half of verse 18, where he says, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. And so as I've been praying for the state of our state and our country and the world, and the fact that we are so broken and we need healing in so many ways, it's an encouragement to know that I don't come, we don't come to the Lord on our behalf, but because of our righteousness, but in his great mercy, he, he will be answering prayers and he's answering prayers right now. And that is such a comfort. You may have uh, heard me mention this verse before, but in James three seventeen, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And I'd like to let you know, dear brothers and sisters, that I've been praying these verses over you every day. We miss you, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, Highland, it's Mark and Lisa. Hi, Highland. We miss you guys. Miss uh, the music and the worship and Awana and everything else. Can't wait to get back together with you guys. This is Adam and Rachel Tagaro, and we miss you guys. We're really looking forward to meeting with you in the new church. It's going to be extra, extra sweet because of all this time that's taken, you know, that we haven't been able to be in there. And we are just going to be blown away by God's presence in the new building. And we're just amazed. And Deb and I never thought we'd be able to see the new facilities, which we're really blessed to be there. And I see they got the cross up now, too. So that was an extra special. And it's just fun for me to see all of you. Can't wait to be back in the actual church which I hope is going to be soon. Hi, Highland friends. We miss you guys very much, and uh, we're excited for you guys to get to meet Clark when we're all back together. And we uh, hope and pray that that is soon. And, uh, yeah, we hope that you and your families are doing well. Blessings. Hey, Highland Church. Uh, we are Adam and Stephanie Adam Sarf. And Stephanie Sarf. And really getting anxious to be together with everybody, anticipating being together uh, in, our, in each other's physical presence instead of the virtual world. But we're glad that God has provided uh, this avenue. Um, but so looking forward to being together as the body face-to-face -face and um, getting to see what God is going to do with Highland Church in Cocado and the surrounding communities and look forward to seeing everybody really soon. We love you guys. Good morning church. My name's Al Nagel. I'm one of the elders here at the church and um, just wanted to welcome all of you this morning. We're thankful that you're with us this morning wherever you are, probably sheltering at home as we all seem to be doing these days. We certainly look forward to when we can all be together in this beautiful new church. Um, I was excited to, to see the new cross put up uh, when I came in here the other night. And uh, boy, boy, that turned out amazing. Something for you all to look forward to see. Um, also, we just wanted to uh, 
congratulate um, Tyler and Abby Jarman as they welcome the birth of their new daughter, Holly Marie. Uh, what an exciting time in their lives and their family. So anyway, um, if there's anything that you need while you're at home uh, that we can help with, we just encourage you to reach out to us um, because we certainly want to be there for all of our members and, and even non-members to, to help them in this time. If you would, if you just join me uh, for prayer as we, as we focus on the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for, for what you're doing, um, that you are here. Lord, I pray for each person listening, Lord, that, that they are just trusting in you. And any fears that they may have at this time, Lord, that they would just release those to you. Lord, you, you tell us that you, you do not want us to fear, that you want us to have trust in you, Lord. And I just pray that we would do that. Lord, I pray that you would show us how to, to use this time to reach out to others um, and encourage each other. And for those that don't know you, Lord, help us to be bold in our faith to share your love with others, that they may also know you. Lord, I pray that you would, um, you would guide us this week as we each go about our, our week. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, you caught me. Good day, Highland Community Church. I hope you've had a week in which you have seen and experienced God. That might come in the form of your devotional reading in the scriptures, maybe uh, in your prayer life. Perhaps you've seen God at work in people's lives who are close to you. Uh, this past week, I have seen that in a couple of people that are very close to me. It brought great joy to my heart to see God at work in their lives. One of the things that Trudy and I did this past week was that we went out and we purchased some flowers uh, to plant on our deck. We live on the third floor of a condominium building in, in Orno. And uh, Trudy uh, planted the flowers on our deck and we learned something about condominium living. Uh, particularly when it comes to watering the plants and then sweeping the extra dirt off your deck. Uh, thankfully, we have very forgiving and gracious neighbors living beneath us. But we've learned not to do that again. Took a bike ride this past weekend. It was a, a strange kind of a bike ride. It was about a 20-mile loop uh, around our condominium and neighborhood. And it seemed as though that whichever direction I was going, I was riding into the wind. And then... It also felt as though I was either riding on level ground or I was always climbing a hill. Never in the 20 miles that I rode did I ever feel that I was going with the wind or downhill. It was a strange bike ride. You know, you may be having a day in which you feel as though that you are riding uphill against the wind. And frankly, these days with the pandemic, makes us all feel as though that we're going against the wind and we're climbing a hill. Well, if that's what you're feeling, that's what today's message is all about. 
We look forward, do we not, to the day in which we're going to be able to be meeting in this beautiful sanctuary and seeing each other face to face, worshiping together. But until that time, remain faithful. Praise belongs to you. Let every kingdom bow, let every ocean roar, let every heart adore you now. Praise belongs to you. What can I do but sing? The greatest joy I've found is to lay a crown before my king. Before my all-time favorite children's books is a story about a boy by the name of Alexander and he has a terrible horrible no good very bad day this is what he says I went to sleep with gum in my mouth and now there's gum in my hair and when I got out of bed this morning I tripped on the skateboard and by mistake I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running and I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Well, his day continues. 
There were lima beans for dinner, and I hate lima beans. There was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing. My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain, and I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. I hate my railroad train pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep, and the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out, and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony, not with me. It has been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I think I will move to Australia. Well, the answer to a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day is not fleeing to Australia. It's not cooking our favorite comfort food. It's not found in, in a bottle of wine or, any, or a host of other things that we use to cope. If we are foolish enough to think that joy comes from our situation or circumstances, we will live very disappointing lives. The Apostle Paul writes a book about joy. It's the book of Philippians. And he says that you and I can have joy in the midst of a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And he would tell us that joy has nothing to do with our situation. When Paul pens this letter to the church at Philippi, he is writing this letter from prison. In verse 7, 13, 14, and 17, four times in chapter 1, Paul says that he is writing while he is in chains. So he begins to write his letter, and then he stops and he says, well, I'm in chains, remember that. He continues on, writes a few more words, and he says, I just want you to know, I'm in chains. Continues writing, and then he says, say, did you know that I was in chains? And he adds it one more time. Four times in 11 verses, he mentions the fact that he is in prison because of his faith in Christ. Actually, Paul is under house arrest in Rome, and that house arrest is going to continue for about two years. His stay-at-home order was not just a mere five or six weeks, but rather for two years. Imagine what you've been experiencing and what we've been experiencing for the last month or so and having that extend for a full two years. That's the context in which Paul writes this letter. And then in chapter 1 and verse 29, he writes this. It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. It's so very, very important that we understand that followers of Christ do not live in a bubble that would insulate us from trouble. In fact, it has been said, and you've heard this, that, that some people find trouble. Well, for Paul, it was just the opposite. Wherever he went, trouble found him. In fact, he makes an extensive list of the trouble he's experienced in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 33. You might want to read through that just to give you an idea of all the things that Paul has endured as a follower of Christ. Paul's troubles caused one older pastor to say, wherever Paul went, there were riots. Wherever I go, they serve tea. 
just gives you an idea of the trouble that, that followed Paul. It's a reminder to us that, that Christ followers do not live in some kind of a, a bubble, some kind of a, uh, an insulated experience in which we do not experience trouble. Now, prosperity theology is something that is very prominent today uh, in the world. And prominent uh, theology struggles to explain suffering. Uh, it's a major theme in Africa as well as South America. It's also a major focus of many of the Christian television networks in the United States. Sometimes known as the prosperity gospel or also known as the health and wealth gospel, uh, this, this teaching seems to uh, want believers to think that God wants people to be physically healthy, financially prosperous, and personally happy. As a result of that, these prosperity teachers encourage their followers to pray and to claim the promises of God because after all, God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. Now, as I look into the scriptures, I find that that is a position that is difficult to substantiate. One example. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, Paul states this. The kingdom of God is not about food and drink. It, it, is, it is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are a follower of, the, of Jesus Christ, that means that you're a part of the kingdom of God. And Paul would say to us that it's important that we understand that the kingdom of God is ultimately not about food and drink, about being healthy and wealthy and happy. That's not what the kingdom of God is all about. But it is about righteousness and peace and joy that is found in the Holy Spirit. So when we think of the kingdom of God, it's about being righteous to stand before God knowing that there is no longer any condemnation. There's no longer any judgment. We're not sinners. We are now saints. We have been forgiven. We have a new standing. We have a new position. We have a relationship with Him. We are right with God. That's what the kingdom is about. In addition to that, we have peace with God. Whereas one time there was an animosity and enmity between God and humanity, that has been erased. We now have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So in addition to righteousness and peace, Paul says we have joy. The joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. This is what the kingdom is about. You see, our worldview as Christians needs to include the concept of suffering and also evil. In fact, a worldview that has no place for suffering is completely inadequate to understand and to explain what is happening in our world. One of the most important conversations that is occurring, it's been occurring for actually centuries now, is the conversation of the relationship between the reality of evil and suffering and the existence of God. How do these two topics interact? 
and how they interact is described in a term called theodicy, the relationship between God and evil and suffering. Now, in that discussion, at one end of the continuum, continuum, there are people who would deny the existence of God. And they say it like this. Well, we know that, that suffering and evil exists in the world. Now, if God were to exist, because he is a powerful and loving being, he would not permit this to occur. But since this occurs, it must mean that God does not exist. So that's at one end of the spectrum. And then at the other end of the spectrum, we have prosperity theology. And frankly, they really offer very little to the discussion on theodicy. And that is why I'm glad that the book of Job has been included in the scriptures. It is a crucial book to understand and to help us explain the existence of evil and suffering. That there is an evil force in the world called Satan. And how does that interact with the plan of God? Now, let's take this discussion down to a very personal level. Parents, let's talk for a moment. As parents, we may find ourselves guilty of creating kind of a bubble experience for our children. Trying to ensure that they always have positive experiences, sometimes referred to as helicopter parents who are hovering over their children, ensuring that everything is interpreted in a positive way, making sure that every child always gets that participation award. Well, Paul Bond is a psychiatrist at UCLA. And he talks about this, this tendency for, for parents to want to keep their children in this bubble, insulated from disappointment. And this is what he says. He says, when children raised by helicopter parents show up at my office later in life, unable to cope with the normal frustrations of life, they come to the conclusion that something must be terribly wrong. So, parents, we need to be very, very careful that we do not somehow insulate our children from the normal disappointments of life. So, keep the bubbles only for a play day in the backyard. So, joy has nothing to do with our situation. However, joy has everything to do with the filling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the joy that God gives can be present in the most difficult of circumstances. Back in Acts chapter 16 and verses 11 through 40, we have the story of Paul's visit to Philippi. It occurs uh, on his second journey. He's accompanied by Silas and Timothy. And so they come uh, to the city of Philippi. And in the course of his ministry there, Paul once again finds trouble, or trouble finds Paul. So in Acts 16 and verse 19, we read this. 
when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. So the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So, now, flogging was such a painful form of punishment that oftentimes it could be fatal. So Paul and Silas had been stripped down. They were severely flogged. And then after that, they were put in the inner cell, put in stocks. Their wounds had never been cared for. So they're sweaty, they're bloody. Uh, they're in a very awkward position in the stocks. Truly, they are having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And yet, as the story continues in verse 25, it was about midnight that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Do you get that? It's at midnight that they were praying and singing hymns to God, reminding us that even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances, and as much as their bodies were crying out in pain, yet their spirits were singing with joy. Truly, the church in Philippi was birthed within this setting. Joy in spite of their circumstances. Paul picks up that theme back in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. In fact, that verse appears on the screen, and so let's read it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. That exhortation is also found back in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. That too is on your screen. Let's read it together. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now Paul here says to give thanks in all circumstances. He does not say give thanks for those circumstances. The preposition is incredibly important. We can give thanks, we can be joyful in the midst of difficult times. We don't have to thank God for those difficult experiences, but in them we can be thankful. And then we come in the Old Testament to probably the most dramatic passage that teaches this concept. It's in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Let's read it together. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will be joyful in God my Savior. So there are six phrases that, that uh, Habakkuk uses that shows the bleakness of his situation. It's about as bad as it can possibly get. He says, but though this is happening, yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Powerful message to us that the Spirit of God is always with us. The Spirit of God is not bound or constricted by the circumstances. So we can have joy in the midst of a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Now back to Philippians chapter 1. Paul gives us three ways in which we can experience joy in difficult situations. In verses 12 through 18, the first one is recorded. You and I can experience joy when we see God using our situation to advance the gospel message. Listen to what Paul writes. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice." Did you catch that? Because Christ is preached, I can rejoice. So God can bring joy into our lives as we see the message of the gospel being advanced even in the midst of difficult circumstances. The word advance in verse 12 is an interesting word. It was used to describe an army that was moving forward. And if they found that there were obstacles such as a forest or trees in the way, that they, they would knock those tree downs in order for them to continue marching and advancing forward. And Paul is, is saying that persecution and suffering never hurts the church. Oftentimes it is the impetus for the church to move forward. The church has never died from suffering or persecution. It is true that the church dies from lethargy or from apathy, but it never is hurt in its work or in its impact through persecution or suffering. And I truly believe, and we're hearing stories of that, that, that God is using this pandemic to shake the world reminding people that he is, is real and that he wants to have a relationship with people, bringing peace and joy and comfort, having that assurance that he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. So we can experience joy 
when we see God using our situation to advance the gospel message. We can also experience joy when we see our situation against the backdrop of eternity. In verses 19 through 23, Paul continues, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, uh, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What a powerful verse that is. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Uh, yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Now what Paul is saying here is that Christians, followers of Christ, live in a win-win world. To, to, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. What a marvelous story that is. We see our present against the backdrop of eternity. Uh, I have to tell you, I, I'm desperate for watching some sports on television. So uh, one night I, I'm surfing the channels and I discover on the Big Ten Network that it is playing, replaying the 1991 World Series between the Atlanta Braves and the Minnesota Twins. In the year 2003, ESPN voted uh, that World Series to be the greatest of all time. It was a fantastic World Series. Five of the games uh, were decided by a single run. Uh, four games were decided in a final at bat. And three games went into extra innings. And so I sat down and I watched game six. I couldn't wait for the 11th inning. Kirby Puckett coming up uh, to the plate and hitting that majestic home run and Jack Buck saying, well, folks, we'll see you tomorrow. And that was a great moment. I still get goosebumps when I think about that game. And then game seven, Jack Morris pitching that 10 inning shutout. You know, in 1991, when those games were being played, you know, I was sitting at, at home. I was on the edge of my seat. I was pacing the family room. I was watching. I was probably pulling my hair out. I was so tense, so nervous. Come on, twins. Well, a couple weeks ago, I sat on the couch. I enjoyed every moment. I wasn't nervous. I was just eager for those great moments to occur. Why could I relax? I knew the outcome. I knew the final score. And you know, for us as believers, the same is true for us. There may be difficult times that we're going through now, but we need to see them against the backdrop of eternity. We are in the ultimate win-win situation. To live is to know Christ and to his and his joy, but to die is gain. And we can experience joy when we see the present against the backdrop of eternity. And finally, we also can experience joy when we realize that our situation 
actually inspires joy in others. In verses 25 and 26, Paul says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. So Paul realizes that how he manages his situation can inspire joy in other people. And as a result of him knowing their joy, that it's going to cycle back and bring him also more joy. How wonderful that is to know that how we respond to situations can actually be inspirational to other people. I titled this message, Joy in Spite of My Situation. But I'd like to revise that title. When you have joy on a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, what you're doing is that your joy spites your situation. Not just joy in spite of it, but your joy in the midst of trouble actually spites your situation. Even better than that, however, there's something even more wonderful. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. When you have joy in spite of your circumstances, that's testimony that Jesus is very real to you. You are identifying with him in a deeply personal way. You are radiating the life of Jesus in your body. This is what Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want you to know that if you can live with joy, through the circumstances, that what's going to happen is that it shows that Jesus is alive within you. Joy gives you the ability to endure through, and ultimately you will overcome, whether in life or in death. And so I encourage you today that you, when you display joy in your situation, you are radiating the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that having joy in the midst of trouble and suffering and difficulty actually spites the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Lord, thank you that in the midst of Paul's struggling and in, in, uh, his experience there in jail, both at Philippi and in Rome, that, Lord, he was able to speak of a joy that transcends difficulties. God, I pray for everyone who hears this message uh, today, that, Lord, they might be encouraged 
and that, Lord, they would not be isolated or in despair. God, if they're having a, a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, I, I pray that, Lord, they would push in to receive the joy that comes from your presence with them. Lord, pour out your spirit right now upon them and give them that sense of joy. Lord, may they relinquish to you all that has been negative and as, uh, perhaps uh, debilitating. And God, I pray that right now in this moment, they would, they would experience and they would grab hold of the joy that you offer them. Lord, may they receive it May they experience it. May it overflow in their lives uh, today so that others around them will see that. Lord, do this so that you are glorified and that people will see how real you are in the midst of the difficulties of life. Thank you for the promise that you have to be with us and to give us joy in spite of our circumstances. In Christ's strong name we pray, amen. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold on life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious. 